Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Normally, we have guests on the show, but we were just coming out of Yontif. It was pretty busy. And I realized, you know what? Sometimes I can also speak. Um, I do a lot of speaking in real life. Um, this show is usually a chance for my guests to speak and for me to, for us to find out about different cool people, because um, there are so many interesting Orthodox Jews out there. Um, contributing to the world either through acts of kindness, through cool careers or cool hobbies. Um, but sometimes it's good for me to speak and I have a lot to speak about. I've been pretty busy for the last few weeks, really probably since the end of August, working on something called the Orthodox Jewish All-Star Awards. Um, this was started in 2013. Um, it began first as a video um, you know, sometimes I meet people who have no idea that this radio show or podcast, depending on how you listen to us, is more than just a show. We are actually an organization or a nonprofit called Jew in the City, which is like the most normal name of a nonprofit. And when you meet people at the bank um, and they find out that your company's name is Jew in the City, they don't forget you. So um, we are a nonprofit, um, which I started in 2007 um, with the mission of breaking down stereotypes about religious Jews. Um, and offering a humorous, meaningful look into Orthodox Judaism. I was raised with a very negative uh, idea about Orthodox Jews. And I, when I met some in my teenage years, um, I saw that the community was so different than anything that I had heard about, either through the media or sort of the rumors that swirled around my community. I was a proud Jew. I felt uh, committed to marrying someone Jewish and sort of continuing on the Jewish people. But... Um, I really hated the Orthodox because they seemed like everything that was wrong with our religion, like they were backwards and they were extreme and they were closed minded and they weren't good to women and um, they you know, didn't believe in any sort of modernity. I mean, I really saw the community as like Fiddler on the Roof, um, but also like bad people too. Um, and then when I met Orthodox Jews from a variety of communities, I just saw these wonderful people living lives as good as my life was, but then even better because their lives actually had meaning. And what sort of pushed me to search for meaning um, at a young age, at eight years old, was a father in my school, in my public school, had gone crazy and killed both of his children and himself. Um, and this happened um, in 1988, the end of 1988, I was eight years old. Um, and suddenly I was um, confronted by a triple murder. And it, my parents had spent my whole life up until that point, just keeping me safe and secure and just really doting on me, giving me privileges and love. And then suddenly everything shattered because I realized that there are things that my parents can't protect me from. And I realized I had a big question to ask, which was what happens when I leave this world? Because suddenly the idea of leaving this world, like this girl Angela had became just very, um, very practical because she was expecting to grow old and become a grown up and she didn't. And so I realized that that could happen to me too, God forbid. But then thinking about what my end will be and what will happen when I'm gone, it made me think to myself, but what am I doing here? What What is my purpose here in the first place? And I realized I had never actually asked that question before. I'd never actually been instructed on that point before. But because my parents were smart, successful people, I assumed they knew and when I approached them a few days after the funeral and asked them why we were here, they just stared back at me dumbfounded, which was pretty terrifying because 
here I am discovering for the first time in my life that I don't know why I exist and I'm already stuck, stuck existing and the people that I go to for answers and wisdom and guidance are just as confused as I am. And this seemed like a really horrible quandary. And of course, the World Wide Web hadn't been invented yet because I'm a dinosaur. Um, and so I had no place to look into these questions. And so I would just try to not think about it. And I would just try to stay busy with life and school and friends and vacations. But my mind would keep wandering back to the fact that nothing seemed to add up to anything. And what were we doing? What was the point of anything if it would all just be gone one day? Anyway, this search, the search for a meaning for some transcendent truth is what eventually opened my eyes or sort of put orthodoxy on the radar to me when I met a, an orthodox teacher in my after-school Hebrew high. I was really open to just learning something, some sort of wisdom or some sort of spiritual teaching beyond what I had in my own world. Um, and from there, I connected with real life Orthodox Jews. And from there, I decided to turn my life around. I actually brought my entire family along with me to observance. Um, and I really spent my life ever since then um, trying to educate the Jewish community about what Orthodox Jews are actually like. And so that was the reason that I founded this organization to take the headlines and the caricatures in TV and movies and push them aside and connect people to, you know, so many of the amazing, incredible um, Orthodox Jews that are, are worth meeting and are uh, communities that are worth being part of. Um, and ultimately, I believe that people get to decide um, what they do with their own lives. I don't get to, I don't want anyone deciding how I live my life and what I believe. And so I don't believe that I get to do that for anyone else, but I do feel very strongly that Jews should have the knowledge of um, what at least is out there um, as opposed to basing their information off of, you know, bad information or not complete information. And so it was with this reason that I found a Jew in the city. Um, and it was for this reason that we made our first all stars video back in 2013. And the concept for the video was that, um, one of the misconceptions that people have um, to this day is that Orthodox women can't work. I can't tell you how many times I've been interviewed by reporters, uh, and it really baffles the mind when they come to me as an expert in the community, and I tell them Orthodox women work, and they don't believe me. Um, a Daily Beast reporter a number of years ago, she was covering the campaign for a woman named Mindy Meyer, who was running for um, some elected position in New York, and she's uh, emailed me, and she said, what is the source for women not being able to work in Jewish law. And I called her and I said, none. And she fought with me. Um, and eventually she sort of conceded that women could work, but you know, didn't really want to believe it. I had this again, a WPIX reporter was covering Ruchi Fryer. And I said to her, you know, she said, well, she, she didn't believe me that Orthodox women would work. And she basically wrote a quote of mine on one hand saying they work and then sort of in the next sentence in her own voice contradicting it and saying, but they don't really work. And I had to email her back and say, no, no, they work. They may not all be real fryer. Very few of us are, but um, the most, most Orthodox women work and some even work in, you know, high level positions. Um, so I want to make a video showing that Orthodox women could work. Um, and I wanted to show that Orthodox men can be things other than rabbis, nothing wrong with rabbis, but Growing up, I saw hats and beards, and I assumed that anyone that had one of those was a rabbi, and that's not the truth. Some people have all sorts of different professions. Um, and so once we were making a video about women working and men having jobs other than rabbis, I thought, why not get like the top 
of different fields, why not show that not only can you work, but you could really excel, that um, major companies and organizations and government institutions would allow people to um, it would accommodate things like Shabbos and Kashrus and Yantif and that sort of a thing. And so the idea really, I thought, well, how will I get this video of really impressive people? I should probably get Joe Lieberman to be in the video. And um, a few months later, Joe Lieberman and I were both honored at an NJOP dinner, National Jewish Outreach Project. He was like the keynote speaker and I was an influencer and I approached him at the end of the dinner um, and sort of like, um, cornered him in the elevator, <laughs> basically gave him my elevator pitch as the elevator doors were closing. And he said to me at the end, sure, anytime, just call my office. And I came back to the table, super excited, told my husband, we got Joe Lieberman. And he was like, oh, come on, everybody gets that response from him. He's just being polite. I called his office the next day and gave a proposal, a former proposal. And a couple of weeks later, um, we made it into the yes pile. And I would say that was, in terms of sort of watershed moments for the organization, before that, I was just making videos on the couch, um, my couch, the couch I like to sit on. I actually move to a different room to record these shows, so now I'm sitting on a chair, but most of the time I like to just sit on the couch, although we did get a puppy a few months ago, and now when I sit on the couch, he likes to bite me, so I've actually moved to my kitchen table recently, um, which is probably more um, sort of effective place to work and less lazy, but um, I usually do like to sit on the couch. So anyway... Um, when Joe Lieberman agreed to be in our video. And you can check out our videos um, on YouTube if you search for Jew in the City, or you can check them out on our website as well, jewinthecity.com. Um, I would say that changed everything because suddenly we had a US Senator that was in one of our videos. And then suddenly when we reached out to Faye Kellerman, um, you know, New York Times bestselling novelist, and when we reached out to Rachi Schwartz, the first woman to become a um, Supreme Court clerk, um, we reached out to a whole bunch of people and suddenly they were excited to be in our video. And so this was our first Orthodox Jewish All-Stars video um, to show all these really cool jobs that people could be in um, and still keep Shabbos and still keep kosher and have a lot of pride around um, the Jewish observances. Um, and really our idea about All-Stars is that it's not uh, just getting high in your career that matters. That's sort of a mix of hard work and talent and a little bit of mazel. Um, but what makes them all stars is having the conviction to stay true to who they are, that even as they climb the ranks, and for some of them, it does mean giving up opportunities. Um, but that's really what makes it so special that they held on to their heritage um, in a way that's near and dear, and it's really so inspiring. Um, and I thought that this video was going to be great for people outside of the community. And then we started hearing from all these people inside the community who had been raised in a box that was a little bit too small. Everything was a little bit too typical and a little bit too cookie cutter. Um, and they really didn't realize that there were more options for what you could do as as an Orthodox Jew. Um, and so that was an exciting discovery that um, this message was actually bigger than just people outside the Orthodox world, that people inside the Orthodox world needed to hear it too. Now, the first year that we released this video, um, we had just filmed the Maccabees. They were also in the video. We were at YU. And I said to my head intern, Leah, at the time, oh, that was so fun. They're so cute, those Maccabees. We should have a reunion. Maybe we could do like a launch party when the video comes out. Um, and, or maybe, maybe even she suggested that I said, let's do a reunion. She said launch party, but like we were just a really small entity at that point with, you know, almost no funding. Um, and I just posted on Facebook, um, Hey, it would be so fun to have a launch party. And the woman named Sarah Lassery, um, who's run many events and she's, uh, you know, 
is a great uh, chef and owned a restaurant and cookbook author. She said to me, I make events, I'll throw you a party. And that was basically how it started. We had about five weeks. We had basically zero funding. And we had a party that 200 people showed up to, including the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the New York Post. Um, and it was amazing. It was inspiring. And it was it was fun. It was just like a fun night to be out and get dressed up and just celebrate success in our community. Um, and then from there, my brilliant husband said to me, do this every year, open up nominations to the public. Um, and so that's what it's been. We are now up to our sixth annual All-Star Awards. They will be on December 2nd, Monday, December 2nd at Alice Tully Hall in Lincoln Center. Um, they say that um, you should do things that scare you. So this is definitely scaring me. Um, this is definitely the biggest thing we've ever done. Uh, last year's event, or two years ago, we skipped 2018. Um, two years ago, we had 500 people at a place called Convene in Midtown Manhattan. Um, that was by far our best event yet. Really, each time it just gets bigger and better. Um, our most people, we really perfected both the show Saul Blinkoff, who was a former all-star and a Disney director, the year that we honored him, essentially took notes in his seat about everything we could do better. Um, and the next day he called me, he said, beautiful event, but just so you know, um, this needs to be shorter, this needs to be tighter, ba 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 ba, -ba. I'm going to do your event next year. And the, he's done it now uh, three years in a row. This will be his fourth year, God willing. Um, and all I can say is that we have the video short of each all-star story to about two and a half minutes. So all you're seeing is the most poignant moments, the most inspired moments, the funniest moments. Um, he's very insistent that the all-star speeches are short as well because nobody likes long, boring speeches. So we do that. Um, he helped me figure out how to do sort of an intro video to explain to our audience who we are, what we do, how do in the city grew into this um, you know, second program called Project Makom, where we're helping people that grew up orthodox, but with bad experiences. Um, a lot of times in, you know, abusive and dysfunctional situations, um, and mostly from the most insular parts of the orthodox world. Um, and so the evening is really um, sort of explaining who we are, some brief remarks from me, the all-stars videos and speeches. Um, and when people left the show last year, um, they were I, I wish that we had actually taken videos of their reactions and I plan to this year take videos of their reactions, you know, to self-call Ellie, our video guy, and tell him this. People were struggling to find words to describe how they felt, but they were saying things like, I've never felt this proud to be from before. I never felt so good to be Jewish before. I don't even have words to describe what I'm feeling right now. Um, I got messages like this afterwards and for me, um, this is months and months of work, of not sleeping, of not eating, of just being super stressed to get all the pieces in order to raise the money. Um, but seeing reactions of Jews loving to be Jewish and loving, um, not just Jewish as in like we've got good food and you know we've got a fun language and the beaches in Israel are cool. Because I mean, that's nice too, but Jew, like proud to be Jewish like as in I love our people and I love our way of life. And I don't feel our way of life is a burden. I feel our way of life is a blessing. So that's how I feel. And I think really what the All-Stars show and program is about is helping Jews see, so to see being orthodox through my lens, which is that this is a blessing. Because remember, I had this happy, you know, really um, privileged life and it was missing meaning. And when I found Judaism and uh, orthodox observance, 
I was able to take all the beauty that I've been raised with um, and then add spirituality to it and sort of give depth and foundation. And for some reason, we're not doing a good enough job teaching this in Jewish schools. And um, it's pretty frustrating to me how many people have come to Jew in the city being raised in good schools and coming from good families and saying they never understood the reason behind mitzvahs. They never thought about these questions. It never was meaningful to them. I think if we want to survive, I mean, we've had so such problems with survival over our, you know, multi-thousand year history. Um, we need to we need to show our children and ourselves why this is something that we can't let go of, why this is something that um, fills us with pride and joy um, as opposed to feeling burdened or um, stressed out by it or like it's some sort of liability. That's really what my dream is that I can I can show um, Jewish people um, how how rich our treasures are. Um, and after the show is over, another great thing that we um, you know have going for us since uh, last year, we partnered with um, Nova Wine and Grill from Teaneck. Um, Royal Wine for um, some wine and um, and Jenadine Catering, Josh Schwartz, um, two Joshes, Josh from Nobo and Josh Schwartz from Jenadine Catering, JS Fine Foods, um, get together and it's Nobo Food um, with sort of the catering arm. And they just did this amazing after party for us. We have um, Azamra uh, DJ. Um, Jeff is amazing. He just has this fun music going. And so the after party is just this mixer where you're having Nobo food passed around and drinks and people run up to the all-stars like they're celebrities. And really what we're excited about is, yes, their, their success is very cool, but these are people that have held their Judaism as top priority. Um, and you can't get this far in your career um, and you know sort of climb the ranks in these different institutions unless you really prioritize your, your Judaism. Um, and this year we have a couple sort of extra, um, fun pieces that we've never done before. First of all, we're giving Mayim Bialik a Keter Shem Tov award. Um, Mayim and I have um, started learning in 2004 through partner, 2006 through partners in Torah. There we go. Um, and, her show just ended um, a few months ago, and she really did some historic things um, with her her platform. Now, the truth is that when I reached out to her um, and told her that I wanted to give her this Keter Shem Tov Award, literally crown of a good name for helping to improve the name of Orthodox Jews in the world, using her platform to do that, using her platform to normalize traditional Jewish rituals and concepts like Tznias and Hafrashas Chala and Mikvah, things that you know, your average Jewish celebrity might talk about, um, I don't know, latkes on Hanukkah or might talk about eating a bagel or um, something like that, maybe, you know, Passover. But um, mine really through her social media platform and even on the red carpet um, talks about like really traditional Jewish concepts that most people might find weird or outdated. And she she makes them relevant and she makes them known. So I thought maybe this chapter was over. Like, most people don't get one show hit show on television. I should know because I wanted one. Most people don't get two hit shows on television, which Mayim got. But now she is actually slated for, to be on Fox um, in the fall, God willing. Um, she has a new show coming up, which she is co-executive producing with Jim Parsons. Um, and then starring in, she is the name uh, the star of the show again. Um, this show is called Carla. And I always joked with her that all of her hits started with a B, 
Blossom Big Bang Theory and um, Beaches. And I said to her that she finally graduated to C. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so um, when I reached out, I thought that maybe this chapter was over, but so excited that um, she is on to more things. And um, so we, we filmed this video in LA last week. Um, I flew in the day after Yantif to like film her in her own office. She has her own little like sort of <laughs> production company at Warner Brothers. Um, and to talk about really the story that we meant in a very cool way, which you'll find out when we release the video and talk about what this journey has meant for her and what does it mean to use her platform um, to you know, improve the perception of Orthodox Jews and to, to make Judaism feel more appealing, more attainable. Um, and we are super excited to um, you know, be honoring her at this event. Um, it's really just a, a great addition to our normal all-stars. And then we will be um, closing out the night with a special performance from one of our all-stars, Shulam Lemmer. He is the first Hasidic Jew, like raised Hasidish, um, to sign with a major music label, Universal Music Group. Um, and it's the first time that he and our former all-stars, the Maccabees, uh, viral YouTube sensations, um, will be performing together in public. So I picked the song. The song that I picked um, is something that actually got me pretty emotional about a year ago um, because it reminded me of Project Mako members. Um, I'm not going to give it away. It's going to be a surprise, but um, this song really speaks to the journey that the people at Project Mako make um, in our in our organization. And this evening, while it's to wear, raise awareness um, about all the great things that you can do as an Orthodox Jew, it's also to raise money and awareness about Project Makom. Um, because what's happening to the people that come to us at Project Makom is that they were raised with a Jewish ritual and uh, studying Jewish texts, and they never saw the positivity in it. It was given over with abuse. It was given over with dysfunction. It was given over in such small boxes that um, there wasn't room for human beings to exist. Um, and it, we have to be very careful that this is not a condemnation of all Haredim or all Hasidim. There are, are plenty, and the majority of the people in these communities are living happy, healthy, beautiful Jewish lives. Um, it's the people that things did not work out for. And it's really, from what we can see, comes from nearly all abuse situations or trauma situations, whether at home or at school or with rabbis or all of the above. Um, these are the people that caused the negative headlines essentially because these stories are real. Um, and we actually had to change our um, mission statement as more of these stories came in because we used to call it stereotypes. And now seeing the people of Project Makom, we realize these are not actually stereotypes. These are real stories. They are really happening. And this is what the media picks up on. They, they eat it up um, because ultimately um, people expect us to be better. You know, we call ourselves the chosen nation we call ourselves a light onto the nations. Um, and so we call, we consider ourselves that I believe we are that. And when we fall short, the world notices. And on one hand, it's not fair for people to judge us sort of more harshly or strictly than other people, because there's lots of people that have pride in their nation. Like I grew up with a lot of Italians and you know, there was all sorts of necklaces and Italian boots. And, you know, this, this group of people, you know, loved being Italian. They thought they were the best. And, you know, each nationality or group should feel pride in who they are. And yet somehow for the world, when Orthodox Jews mess up, um, it is especially um, highlighted. It's especially something that they want to talk about. And so that puts, we have to have the pressure inside. We, we need to 
um, really hold ourselves to the highest standard and be the best that we can be. Not because it matters for the world, but because this is this is who we should walk around. This is we should we should be here on this planet to contribute to to do acts of kindness to be beacons of honesty, um, to bring goodness to the world. That That is why we were put here in the first place. That's what we believe. So we have to sort of live up to um, those ideals. Um, and so I've lost my trade of thinking. I've just been like literally doing a monologue for the last 25 minutes. Um, I one time actually won a speaking contest on a camp bus. We had a speaking contest probably when I was like 11. Um, and the ride to camp was an hour. And it was just to see who could speak the longest. And I spoke the entire hour. Um, and they say, um, you know, don't, don't speak too long to women. But I kind of understand that because I talk a lot. So, yes. Yeah, so um, the, oh, I remember what I was talking about now. The evening is to raise awareness um, for the people that um, didn't have, you know, this, um, the positivity about Judaism. Um, and so, you know, while um, God willing will be a fundraiser and we'll make some good money for Project Malcolm for, you know, the next year. Um, this is not just a fundraiser. Um, most fundraisers that organizations run are boring and stuffy and people just go out of obligation. So like we want people to go because they feel moved by our work. I want them to spend the money uh, because we are moved by our work. And let me just add now, we have an early bird special that is ending this week. Um, we have three levels of tickets essentially. For show only, if you can't afford our full ticket but want to be inspired and you will be inspired, we have a $100 ticket. That's to come out to Lincoln Center's Alice Tully Hall and see our beautiful, inspiring show. If you'd like some great Nobu food and uh, awesome wine, a little after party afterwards, the tickets are $225 per person. But this week, we're running a special um, $30 off. Um, you can go to our website, jewinthecity.com slash events. And then you'll find the tickets link and there you can enter in the coupon code early bird, all caps, that will get you your $30 off, but do it this week because we're going to remove that after this week. Won't be early bird anymore. And then if you've got a little bit of tzedakah money to give and want to give it to a great cause, we will gladly take your donations. We have sponsorship levels, which will get you into our VIP pre-party to hang out with the all-stars and VIPs. This starts at $540. So you get a pre-party beforehand with some extra food and wine. Um, you get uh, preferred seating at the show and then you get listed in our sponsor section. You also get swag and some raffle tickets. And as the levels go up, you get more tickets, you get um, space in our online ad journal. Um, and so those are the packages that we have. This is what we are offering. Um, we are just really excited to, um, to have this event. It's five weeks away on Monday, December 2nd. Um, I will probably be more and more nauseous until um, we get there. <laughs> um, we're getting a three of our, um, we have a few staff members that are uh, local in New York that will be wearing powder couture gowns. Um, mine is actually being custom made. So I'm super excited for that. Um, this is a great shop in Muncie. And um, it's really, this is the evening where we showcase that you can dress beautifully and modestly. You can have great kosher food and kosher wine and really, you know, have it be super gourmet and delicious. Um, and that you can go out and have like a really fun evening and have it be totally kosher in terms of what you do. And that's really what this event about is about. It's about um, all the sort of fun and excitement you can have in a, a kosher lifestyle. Um, and then all the inspiration um, that you can have in, in a observant way of life. Um, so 
I hope you will check out the, our uh, website, junecity.com slash events. I hope you will come with friends. Um, this is the only event that we do all year long. Um, we skipped it in 2018 just because um, we had so many signups to Project Malcolm. And as I mentioned, in terms of the abuse and the trauma, um, we were really sort of inundated with um, some heavy stories and trying to figure out how do we, as not a mental health organization, best help these people? How do we figure out where sort of the boundaries of people with issues bigger than ours can sort of lie? And what do we do to to heal people that have been hurt? Um, and so we're excited to do this again. And though I look forward to it, I have to say, I also will look forward to all this planning being over. Um, but please, for all this work that we've done, um, you're not going to find a program like this anywhere else. It, it simply doesn't exist. Um, we're pretty proud. Um, this is what we do best. We we love, we, we, sh we can make Jews love being observant. That's really um, our secret sauce. And that's what we're best in class at. Um, and we would love for you to be part of it, to bring along someone maybe that hasn't seen the side of orthodoxy, either who was raised within or raised without. This is a chance to really show them um, a whole other side. I had a, a reporter from the Jerusalem Post a few years ago come to the event and she said to me, I went to journalism school to tell the truth. And going to this event now, I realize I did not understand the Orthodox community at all. And this will change how I report the news now. So um, we would love to see you there. Thank you for listening. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.